Pursuit of Truth Podcast. My name is Will. I'm your host. Today's date, December 21st, 2021. It is 10.07 in the morning. This is going to be episode 125. It's going to be called, The System Will Go Down, But We Determine the Direction. Hope that you're all doing well. Hope that you're all challenging yourselves every day. Hope that you're going to war with yourselves every single day of your life. Uh, because life is full of challenges. And it's best to challenge yourself so that you can personally uh, and professionally and spiritually grow. So, we are back here again. And I'm actually excited to be back here again. Um, the year the year's coming to an end. Okay, the year's coming to a close here. Um, 2021 has been a great year. Uh, you know, But not for the country. But it's been a great year for our just growth as people our growth as christians our growth professionally and spiritually and in, in, in every aspect physically mentally and uh i started this podcast about uh february 8th of this year so it's been about uh it's been about 10 months now okay it'll be a year coming up in a little bit and uh i would just like to say thank you again for all sticking with me and, uh, you know, just taking the time out of your day to listen to this, giving me an hour of your time, three days a week, giving me three hours um, out of your week, every single week, sometimes two. But I try my best to uh, get some stuff up there so that you can have something to listen to and uh, learn. And I've learned a lot doing this podcast. It's uh, I've really I used to, you know, I, I knew a lot of stuff before, but this encouraged me to look stuff up even more. And become more knowledgeable about things and uh, do even more research than I usually did. And yeah, you know, as I said, I've said in the past, uh, life is really changing for me here. Um, Today is Tuesday and I'm going to, I actually typed it up last night. Uh, I typed up my resignation letter from my current job last night. And I'm going to be submitting that today to uh, my supervisor. And... uh, as you know, I'm going to be attending the police academy in January of 2022. It's going to be January through June. So I'm going to need your prayer uh, just for that and then for also what comes next after that. Because after that, I will be on the street um, in field training out there with the public and everything. So I'm just going to need your prayer for that. And it's kind of crazy how life changes so fast. You know, um, I'm only 25. And... The job I have now that I'm going to be resigning from, my, my last day is going to be the 31st of this year, so i got 10 days, but uh, this is my first real job, real, real job. Yeah, I had a, I had a this is my third full-time job, um, actually, excuse me, this is my second full-time job I've ever had, um, but this is the first one I've had, you know, I had benefits at the landscaping job and things like that, but they weren't nearly what this is, you know, I was working for the private sector, now I'm working for the public sector. And uh, the benefits are a lot better and things like that. And it's, it's, it's a lot more professional. It's actually a real environment where you actually have to, you know, because a, a lot of other jobs, you tell them, hey, you know, I'm just putting in my two weeks. And they're like, oh, OK, you know, so you work for two weeks and leave. But this is the first time I've ever had to write a letter of resignation. I typed it out uh, last night. I printed it and I have it in my folder. So I'm going to hand that out today. And I'm going to miss a lot of people at this job. I actually went to Target this morning and uh, I bought... Um, cards, thank you cards, and things like that. And uh, next week, I'm going to be buying flowers. So there's a couple of people I need to hand out some flowers to. About three ladies, I need to hand out some flowers to, and uh, one guy and one other lady, I need to hand out uh, a couple of thank you cards to. So it's just really, really been a journey the last three years of my life, and um, life is really going to change totally. It's going to be a whole total. 
Uh, somebody told my one of my coworkers told me it's going to be a total 360, being fully sworn, uh, PD and everything. Um, but I'm still going to be me. Okay, I'm still going to be the same guy. And uh, there, some people ask me some stuff like, "Oh, are you going to carry off duty and things like that?" Well, I mean, no one will know if I'm carrying off duty. But I mean, that's a I don't know. That's the thing. I, I, that's a bridge I'll cross when I get there. Okay, I, I got at least six and a half months before I ever have to cross that bridge. So, but it's just unreal. You know, um, I got hired on to the current job I'm at at 22 years old. And at 22, I got my first real job. And that's actually, you know, for my generation, uh, my millennial generation, that's actually pretty big, you know, because a lot of people in my generation are, you know, I, I talk bad about people in my generation. They're lazy, they're stuck up, they're selfish, and they don't listen. And, um, and most of them don't get real jobs and, uh, until they're 25, 26, 27, and here I am uh, about to start a real career at 25, so it's just been a blessing. Um, God has really brought me through so many things, and I'm telling you now, I am 100% sure this is what God wants me doing, because there came a time, oh, multiple times during this entire process where I'm like, oh, man, I got to do this, or I got to do that, or I'm gonna, I am got to pay for this. How much is this going to cost? Like, oh, I don't, think I, can, I don't think I can afford this right now, and I'd say, well, God, if, if you want me to do this, then you have to make this available to me, or you have to give me the money, and all of a sudden, the money it just appears in the bank account. <laughs> or uh what i need to happen just happens so and it just keep it's multiple times about seven or eight times such as a god if this is what you want from me god then this has to happen and then it just happened every single time so um it was an act of god this entire time and this is what i'm called to do some people ask me oh are you are you afraid to are you afraid well at one point i was um but as time went on you know you can't you can't stay afraid you have to this is what god wants me to do um, I feel like David was afraid. I think uh, I think Moses was afraid as well. Um, I think Paul was afraid. I think Peter was afraid after Jesus left. I think that those people were afraid as well. Um, Jonah, like Jonah was afraid, and Jonah ran. And uh, I don't want to be like Jonah. Jonah ran, and Jonah was punished for it. But Jonah ultimately uh, ended up doing what he was supposed to do, but I don't want to be like that. But I feel like many people in the Bible were afraid. Um, I think... Even Jesus was, uh, Jesus didn't want to die. He loved us, so he would. He was willing to, to do it. But um, in the garden, he prayed uh, if, if God would take, if there was another way, and if God would take the cup of suffering away from him. But ultimately, he had to do what he had to do. Um, and that just shows that uh, the best things are not easy. you know. And sometimes I wonder why God has me take the hardest road sometimes. But uh, there's a reason for that. And so, thank you all uh, so much. Uh, I need your prayers because uh, this is going to be. Oh, life is going to get crazy um, starting in January, uh, but really in, in, in July. Life is really, really going to get crazy. And uh, this is not the end. I don't know where I'm going to end up, uh, but uh, I have a lot. I have a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of work uh, in the future coming up. Right? And I even met. A young boy who was him and his mother when I was at work. I met a young young boy. He was probably he probably had to be eight or nine or ten years old, and he was out there handing out cards and everything like that. And they had Bible verses on. And I told this young man. I hope he never forgets it. But I told him, keep doing what you're doing. I told him I admire what you're doing because you you being so young. And I told him this world is going to try to take that away from you. Do not let them do it. You must stay with God. Stay on the path. Because you never know. Because I told him I was flipping chicken on a grill. Um, What's it's 2021? So about three and a half years ago, a little over three and a half years ago, I was flipping chicken on a grill as my first job. Three and a half to almost four years goes by. I'm gonna be a police officer. Um, that's that's totally crazy. So yeah, I told him to just keep with God and. That's 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 it, you know. So, thank you for listening to my rant. I am here. Uh, I was just ranting until my uh, my green tea cooled down so I could drink it because I have it steeping right now, right next to me. So, uh, thank you. And let's go ahead and get into our stuff here. So, uh, first thing I want to talk about, I want to start off talking with Bitcoin. Okay, so uh what's it called okay so let's start at this okay so according to blockchain-council.org we're seeing that mcdonald's in el salvador is started accepting bitcoin and pizza hut and starbucks 
are the same thing. So if you want to go get a Big Mac or pizza or a sandwich, not excuse me, not a, I thought it said Subway, no, or coffee, you can go ahead and get that using your Bitcoin if you would like to do that in El Salvador. And so next thing we're seeing here is that um, there are banks in Argentina that are not letting unvaccinated people get inside. And the only way to withdraw your dollars from your account is to do it physically in your bank. I don't know if they... I would imagine they have ATMs out there. I've never been to Argentina. But I would... I mean, I imagine they have ATMs. But just like here, most of the places where you withdraw are inside. Most of the ATMs are inside and bank tellers and things like that. So most of that stuff is actually indoors. And so in Argentina, they won't let you go inside unless you have a vaccine. Somebody responds to this and they say, whether you are pro-vaccines or anti-vaccines, this is nuts. My decision to go all in on Bitcoin has been the best decision I've made in my life. So that comes from somebody on the Bitcoin subreddit on reddit.com. Now we have the Bank of England. Now we know all about the central bank, the Western Central Bank in England and things like that, where it's like pretty much the, the biggest the biggest central bank in the world is there. And so the Bank of England is saying uh, there's a website called inbitcoinwetrust.net. And it talks about something that the Bank of England recently said. The Bank of England says that uh, they're actually warning that Bitcoin could become worthless. And then the article says it's true. And that's why Bitcoin is so valuable. No one forces you to believe that Bitcoin has value. You choose to believe that Bitcoin has value. And so... They say, reading the economic news in the UK over the last few days, I've seen several rather startling statements from the people at the top of the system there. It started with the BOE, which is Bank of England, saying that Bitcoin is a danger to the global monetary and financial system. I appreciated that the BOE finally understands the reason for Bitcoin in late 2021, when Bitcoin will soon celebrate its 13th year of existence. It's no secret that Bitcoin aims to replace the current monetary and financial system, or at the very least, represent a credible alternative for all those who want to regain power over the fruits of their labor. As such, Bitcoin is a threat to the current system, which is unfair and has not served the interests of the people for a very, very long time. Secondly, some members of the parliament in the UK have made an incredible discovery. Bitcoin is not an investment. Oh, wow. Well, what do you know? Okay. Of course, it's not an investment. The way I explain it to a lot of people is like an investment, though. Um, although it is not a stock, I explain it to people like stock, but it's technically, it's, it's, I explain it to some people as a stock to, you know, to make it simple for certain people who just don't know anything about it. But I would rather explain it as a conversion of currency. Okay. Think about it. Think about it. When you go to, say, you're going to go to Mexico or Brazil or, you know, Morocco or South Africa or Russia, generally you exchange currencies. You know, either that or you call your bank and say, hey, I'm going out of the country to this country. Can you uh, allow me to use my card here? But generally, cash is king. You know, they say cash is king. Cash is not going to be king too, for too much longer. But, you know, um, you would convert your currency, okay? Convert it to Mexican pesos or, you know, Russian dollars or something like that, right? And it would be worth a different amount. Like one dollar in the United States would be worth such and such amount of money in Mexico. I think it's like 20 pesos now. It used to be 10 when I was younger. But now it's like one dollar, one U.S. dollar is like 20 uh, Mexican pesos now. So you would have 20 Mexican, 20 Mexican dollars would equal one of our dollars, for example. I don't know. I'm not sure that's the current exchange rate, although you could look it up. But it's just an example. Okay, so if you go there, you want to exchange your currency, so you have their dollar, so it's you know a little bit easier to get what you need to get. Okay, because you don't really want to use your cards because there are shady vendors in every country, even in the United States. But the thing about Bitcoin is that Bitcoin is ubiquitous. Um, you can convert. You, what you do is that you convert your fiat money, be it you know be it Turkish money, Chinese yuan, or something or anything, even American dollars, you convert your currency into Bitcoin, which is ubiquitous, like I said, and anybody can have wealth. Anybody can become wealthy, okay? And the more people that buy into that, the more people convert their currency into Bitcoin, the more the value will go up, okay? Sort of like a stock, okay? I explain it like a stock, but it's not really a stock. It's a currency. Okay. It's just like if people can't, if, if everybody started converting all their money into American dollars, the value of the American dollar would go up. Okay. So it's, it's the same concept there.
So there is a New Jersey bank that's going to let clients buy, sell, and hold Bitcoin. Okay, it comes from BitCable News on Twitter. They say that the uh, $2.7 billion New Jersey Community Bank lets clients buy, sell, and hold Bitcoin. Okay, once again, that comes from BitCable News on Twitter.com. All right, so Coindesk.com, um, they actually are showing that Jack Dorsey of Twitter has said that um, he actually backs Bitcoin as the dollar's replacement, but questions uh, Web3. Now, I don't know what Web3 is. This comes from Coindesk.com. It says the Twitter and Block co-founder is a supporter of crypto, but we have but not so keen on how Web3 is being funded. I don't really know what Web3 is. But uh, somebody asked Jack Dorsey on December 20th of 2021, which is yesterday, they asked him, do you think t- crypto is going to replace the dollar? Jack Dorsey says, yes, Bitcoin will. There you go. Cardi B, excuse me, Cardi B actually asked him this. Cardi B said, do you think crypto is going to replace the dollar? Jack Dorsey says, yes, Bitcoin will. So that is... Uh, you know, he what he knows he must know something, okay, about this cryptocurrency. Alright, so let's go ahead and talk about the economy. So the conservative treehouse.com is telling us that uh, the Biden's build back better bill is not likely gonna get Senate support before the Christmas break. And he's they're saying that the communists, they call them they're calling them wounded communists, are going to uh, shifting their focus to the uh, takeover of federal elections. So Senator Joe Manchin appears to be done with the badgering and pressure over the Build Back Better legislation. Discussions between Manchin and the White House are at a stalemate. With the Build Back Better bill unlikely to have enough support uh, prior to the Christmas recess, the communists are trying to shift the focus to the federal takeover of elections. However, on the election bill, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema will not support removing the Senate filibuster. Unquote. So, good for her. So, if you don't know, Senate filibuster is when the uh, so 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 in Congress, in Congress, in Congress, you have the majority and the minority parties, right? So right now, I don't really know this the certain numbers, but I think it's like fifty two Democrats to like forty eight Republicans, or fifty three forty six. It's something like that. But the, the Democrats have the the majority in the Senate of the United States, right? And so there is something called the filibuster, which the minority party can do in order to stop legislation from going through. But it's not always the majority party. Um, The filibuster is pretty much a tactic that's employed by opponents of a proposed law, and they do this in order to prevent the measure's final passage. That's pretty much what happens. And usually it's used by the minority party. I know some people would say we should remove the filibuster... Um, they, a lot of people like to say that when their parties and the party that they like is in power, like when the Democrats in par, in power, you get some people on the left that say, oh, hey, we should remove the filibuster, filibuster so the Republicans can't stop us from doing what, what we want to do and vice versa with, uh, the right when the Republicans are in power. But I would challenge that and say that we should not allow the filibuster to be dismantled because one party will just steamroll over the other and there will be no point in having a minority party okay they, the, the minority needs to have a say so okay the minority needs to have a say so in this because the thing is that if you steamroll over the minority there's going to there's going to be there's going to come a time when the minority is then in in the majority and they will steamroll you so that's not what you want okay and then the other side will pass some ridiculous radical policy that that just it, it, that'll be hard to be uh dismantled or, or changed right and then people will be so unhappy with that. So the filibuster, we should keep. We should keep the filibuster. I'm I'm not a fan of cursing cinema, but uh, I do like Joe Manchin, as I've said before. Um, although myself and Joe Manchin would disagree on some things, I am a uh, I, I do like Joe Manchin. Then also remember, cursing cinema. Uh, she is the one who was followed into the bathroom by leftist activists okay she was falling to the bathroom if you remember that story you guys look that up if you don't remember that president trump makes a statement on this build back better bill he says quote mitch mcconnell has given away the unfrastructure bill and will soon be giving away the giving away the build back worse bill which will change the very fabric of our society 
This was all made possible by the two-month two-month extension he gave the Democrats, the separation of the two bills, and most importantly, his lack of courage in in playing the debt ceiling card. He has grabbed defeat from the jaws of victory. How this guy can stay as leader is beyond comprehension. This is not coming from only me, but virtually everyone in the Republican Party. He is a disaster and should be replaced as leader ASAP, unquote. I'm surprised he that President Trump didn't call him the broken old crow like he usually does. So there was a bill proposed, you probably heard about it last week, there was a bill proposed that tried to stop lawmakers from trading stocks, but Pelosi was defending this because if you notice that in uh, in 20 right before 2020 most of the like congress had their biggest stocks in 2020 they moved them mostly over to moderna pfizer j and j in places like that right before 2020 okay just to make that money because they knew they knew what was going to happen okay we we knew that the elites knew what was going to happen that they were going to put a virus on us and uh, here we are today and so pelosi is pretty much um defending the law i mean excuse me defending excuse me sorry so pelosi is pretty much um she defends lawmakers trading stocks so she wants lawmakers to trade stocks as there is a report that came out that showed 49 members of congress violated a law designed to stop the insider trading okay so it came from business insider and their report revealed 49 members of congress failed to correctly report their stock trades which which is required under the stock act s-t-o-c-k act the stock act Lawmakers from both sides of the aisle failed to disclose stock trades, so it's not one party. Okay, a reporter asked Nancy Pelosi if members of Congress should be banned from trading stocks. She says, "Should members of Congress and their spouses be banned from trading individual stocks while serving in Congress?" And then Pelosi, pretty much defending herself and other lawmakers, she says, "No, we are a free market economy. We are a free market economy, and they should be able to participate in that." Coming from uh, Nancy Pelosi. You know, shows you. Of course, she would uh, defend that. You know, no one's surprised. You're not. I'm not. Now, ladies and gentlemen, could you imagine what would happen if, by law, every U.S. congressman, woman, U.S. senator, president, and etc., was, by U.S. law, audited every one or two years by an independent agency? Could you imagine what would happen if those audits extended to their family members of the elected official? Okay, would. The government continue to push foreign aid to other countries versus pushing for pushing aid to the homeland. Okay, because we know that Congress and our government spends our money and sends it overseas, and it's laundered back into their pockets. Okay, then again, I would then uh, I'm not going to do it, but I would usually go on a rant like, "You have X amount of hundreds of millions of dollars. Why do you need more?" Okay, I would go on that rant, but you've heard me do that rant before, right? So Maxine Waters, the Wicked Witch of the West, Maxine Waters, she has her net. I think her net worth is about four million dollars. Okay, and Congress gets paid. Uh, House members they get paid about like a hundred and twenty, hundred thirty thousand dollars a year, and she's got four million. Like, how, how does that happen? Okay, to make do the math to make four million dollars, getting paid one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, that's a long time in Congress. Okay. Now, Pelosi's net worth is upwards of $150 million because we know Pelosi is married to some of the venture capitalists and things like that. And they have Chinese investments and stuff like that, like Chinatown and stuff like that. It's all CCP money. Now, Joe Biden and his son and his brother, they're worth tens of millions. We know Hunter, Hunter Biden got millions from China. Joe Biden got $1.5 billion from China. Okay. The Clintons are worth twenty, excuse me, $200 million. And... Before the election of Bill Clinton, they were they were worth less than one million dollars. Okay, Barack Obama, his family is worth forty million. And before Barack Obama was elected in two thousand eight, uh, Barack Obama and his family they were worth less than one million dollars. Okay, um, and they disguise these things under book deals. Okay, that that's what they do. They disguise these under book deals. Okay. Those people who take the money are offered more powerful positions within the party. Okay. And this is why you had Trump saying things like drain the swamp. This is why. And this is also why on Trump's uh, second term agenda, he wanted to impose uh, term limits for Congress. But you know, the thing is that you you can't get people in Congress to vote to limit their own power. No government official will limit their own power. I think I've only seen one or two presidents do that. And I think Calvin Coolidge and uh, uh, Grover Cleveland are like the only two I've ever seen do that. 
All right, so Florida accounts for one-third of the United States job growth during quarter three. Florida, that's led by, you know, Ron DeSantis, and he's doing policies that are against Joe Biden and his administration. So, hmm, just something to think about there. It's interesting, right? All right, so there are two polls that are showing that uh, there's growing fear that Biden's spending will make inflation worse. So there's a Remington Research poll that was conducted in West Virginia, and uh, that's actually... I would actually commend this poll uh, because West Virginia, West Virginia is a place that uh, it's a red state that elects Democrats. So I ha- I like I, I I personally I I would like a poll like that because you know although I don't I still don't uh, I'm not a poll guy still okay but Virginia is a you get a lot of uh, red state Democrats in Virginia so those people there will vote those people will, like vote for Trump as president then vote for a Democrat as their senator and things like that so it's a mixed bag you get there so in West Virginia they found that 62% of respondents said that they had seen or at least read or heard a lot about the triple B which is build back better and uh, 53% of all respondents said that they strongly oppose the legislation and about 60% of independent respondents said they strongly oppose it okay now, about 64% of West Virginian respondents said that the triple B will make inflation worse, and 66% said that they believe that Congress should slow down and reconsider the bill as inflation source. Only 14% of respondents said that they believe that triple B will improve the inflation crisis. Now, I, I, and this popped in my head, big baller brand, if you watch the NBA and you know LeVar Ball. But anyways, that's beside the point. Let's go ahead and uh, move on to our next story. All right, so yeah, inflation is going to go up, and we're going to see the system implode. And if you want to see an example of the sort of the path we're probably going to follow, you can look at the Weimar Republic in Germany, where I talked about that already. And it was after World War One. It's in between World War One and World War Two. Look at Germany and during that period, and that's probably the same path that we will follow. Now, uh, lumber prices have actually uh, went up. 95%. So they almost doubled in five weeks as uh, supply issues are arising following the Canadian floods while the demand is staying strong. And so it's the prices are still above $1,000 per board feet. Now, lumber prices nearly doubled, uh, holding the above, excuse me, holding above $1,000 a mark as recent floods in Canada limited shipments while demand remains strong with U.S. home builders staying busy. So on Monday, this past Monday, they actually reached uh, $1,044 per thousand board feet compared with uh, about $540 in mid-November. And lumber prices are still off their highs from May when a surge sent prices to $1,700 or a little above $1,700 per thousand board feet in May of this year. Okay, so moving on, this one's going to uh, apply to people living in California, so most of us here listening to this do, because I live here and things like that, and I've told people about it, and most people I told about are in California. So Gavin Nutjob of California, the governor who frauded who uh, frauded the uh, recall election who shouldn't even be in office, he is deliberately worsening the supply chain crisis by implementing, implementing more COVID restrictions, okay? So workers in California... Uh, they must now stay home and quarantine for two weeks if they're exposed to COVID. It does not matter if they're vaccinated. It does not matter if, if they're vaccinated and test negative. Some workplaces will allow exposed employees to return to work earlier, but they must wear a mask, a muzzle, and remain six feet away from their coworkers and customers to let the public know they are potentially one of the people who hold the black plague in their system. Now, 40% of the nation's Imports arrive at California ports. If one worker is exposed to someone who con- who uh, contracted COVID, entire businesses could be shut down. Interesting. Now, I know that in California, I think I talked about last week, uh, Gavin Newsom um, pretty much, I guess they reinstated this indoor mask mandate policy because of uh, the Omicron or the moronic variant. Uh, they call it Mo- Omicron, but if you rearrange the letters, it's moronic, so the moronic variant. So you have the moronic variant running around, I guess. And so, yeah, they were saying that, oh, we have to put our mask back on indoors. I, I Honestly, I thought that we had to have our mask on indoors anyway. I just kind of didn't care. People just went on about um, living their lives. And uh, you know, I was kind of like, dude, like you're kind of up there just waving a wand and nothing's happening. You just Nobody cares anymore. People are tired of it. Things that you even have liberals who are tired of it, okay? even the, But COVID's kind of like, 
some of the but some of the, but some of the people on the left are kind of like addicted to it. You know, some of the people are addicted. It's like oh, it's like it's like a religion now. You know, it's just it's like an intersectional religion. Okay, so um, you must. Get rid of your white guilt. Uh, come to us to get rid of your white guilt. And if you're black, you are a victim. And if you're a police officer, you're bad. And uh, COVID is the plague. And if you come to us, we will bestow a mask upon you, and uh, and 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 bless you and anoint you with vaccines, so that you will become clean. And then you will still wear a mask alone in your car with the windows up. When you're alone in your car, okay, you will, but you will become clean. This is our religion now. And Fauci, Fauci is the Messiah, and Joe Biden is the father, and Kamala Harris is the spirit. Okay, so my next one comes from Breitbart.com. Um, Trump is saying that China must pay for the COVID origins and that they have to pay reparations. So. This week, Trump was on Sunday Morning Futures, and he argued that China should be held accountable for its role in the spread of the uh, COVID pandemic. So uh, he said China should pay reparations. He says, quote, I think the orphans are so obvious. They came out of the Wuhan lab, and I think if anybody thinks anything differently, they're just kidding themselves. So you can ask, China has to pay. They have to do something. They have to pay reparations. And China doesn't have the money to pay those reparations. I believe that worldwide, I'm not just talking the United States, Worldwide, $60 trillion of damage. $60 trillion. China doesn't have $60 trillion, but they have to do something to make up for what they've done. What they've done to the world is so horrible. It's It's been horrible all over the world, and it doesn't stop. Unquote. Now, what if Trump was going to, during his presidency, what, what if, I don't know for sure, but I'm just asking the question. It's a rhetorical question. What if one of his plans was to um, make China pretty much pay down our debt? I don't know. What was that a plan? What, what, what if that was a plan? You know, because we know that he had the tariffs on China and China was paying us hundreds of billions um, per year because of those tariffs and money was just flowing into our treasury. And uh, we, we could have what if we could have used that money to pay down the debt? I mean, the debt didn't go down because Trump did spend a lot of money. He is a big government Republican. OK, Bush was a big government Republican, too. Obama was a big government Democrat. OK, they all spent a lot of money. Okay, it's just that, what if they actually use the money for the right thing? Okay, it's just a thought. Okay, it probably wouldn't happen, but just a thought. Just wishful thinking on my part, okay? Just wishful thinking. Okay, so, moving on. Stephanie Murphy. She is a congresswoman from Central Florida. Okay, she serves in Florida. She's she's a Florida State Assemblywoman, right? She says that I have, she says on Twitter, I've not, I've decided not to seek another turn in Congress. Serving Central Florida has been the honor of my life, but it's also been incredibly challenging for my family and me. This was not an easy decision, but it was the right decision. Thank you all for everything. Now, uh, unquote. So, I don't know. You've seen a lot of people resign. A lot of people, you've seen a lot of people from Congress resign, okay? A lot of people are just not going for re-election. We've seen Mitch McConnell's not going for re-election either. And we've also seen people switch parties. So something is going on there in Congress that we need to be cognizant about. All right. So if you remember a couple of years ago, I think it was about 2019, uh, Nick Sandman, who was the young teen who was who went to the Coven- Covington Catholic School, and they were at the Capitol, and then there was a Native American man playing his drum, and Nick Sandman, young, he's a white boy, young, young white boy. He was smiling uh, when the... Uh, Native American man was playing the drum because I guess he liked the music. And then, you know, the media went off on a tangent and said that this, he, he's such a racist little this and that and this and that. All the words that you can put in the book, the racist, sexist, bigot, homophobic, like a song. You know you know what they do. It's like a song. And so he already got $200 million from, I think, uh, actually, excuse me. Okay, I have it right here. Okay. So Nicholas Sandman settled with NBC on Friday because he was suing the media for defamation, right? So he filed an $800 million lawsuit against CNN, The Washington Post, and NBC Universal after the outlets used a selectively edited video to make Nick Sandman and his fellow Covington friends look like they harassed a gentleman by the name of Nathan Phillips, who was a Native American who attended the Indigenous People's March in D.C. in 2019. Sandman, who is Nicholas Sandman, the teen, filed a $275 million lawsuit against NBC Universal and MSNBC Hee and settled for an undisclosed amount of money. That young man is set for life. My goodness. Okay. Nick Sandman, he says on Twitter, he says, We have settled with WAPO and CNN. The fight is not over. Two down, six to go. 
good, good, good job. I, I'm rooting for this guy. I'm rooting for him too. And I'm also rooting for Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I'm rooting for Brandon too. All right, so we're seeing that uh, the Central Bank of Russia seeks a ban of investments in cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. And now the Federal Reserve, uh, according to ZeroHedge.com, has a chart here. And there's an old chart from the Bank of America that shows how every Fed tightening cycle ends in a crisis. Because we know the Fed Reserve wants to tighten um, tighten their rates. And so uh, we see there's a chart here that they uh, showing us that shows us when uh, recessions have come, right? So the only question is when, okay? When should the next one occur? When should the next recession occur? I don't think we're very far off from it um, at all. All right, a couple court cases here. First one we're going to talk about is Jesse's. We're going to talk about Jesse Smollett. Then we're going to talk about John Durham. Then we're going to talk about Ghislaine Maxwell. So let's start with Jesse Smollett or Juicy Smollier, uh, if you want a um, word to uh, Dave Chappelle there. So Pepe Lives Matter on Telegram puts out. He says, the special prosecutor in the Jesse Smollett case now wants permission to release relevant grand jury evidence relating to Kim Fox and others. He says that, quote, the interests of justice, unquote, require public release of his report. A hearing is scheduled for Monday morning. Perhaps more to come in this story. So I think that was yesterday. Um, but yeah. So Kim Fox, if you're wondering who Kim Fox is, Kim Fox is the judge in the Juicy Smoulier case. And Kim Fox is a known associate of one Michelle Obama. Um, so there's that. And I'm sure, I think I heard something about like Michelle Obama getting some strings pulled to, to help out Jesse Smollett and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so that should be interesting when we learn about that stuff. So moving on. John Durham. Okay, so there was a the Steele dossier, which they used to spy on Carter Page and things like that and get the fake dirt on Trump. So the Steele source, uh, his name is Igor Donchenko, is now who John Durham indicted, but he's now being represented by lawyers who worked for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Special counsel John Durham is asking if the court... Excuse me. He's asking the court if that is an improper conflict of like meaning conflict of interest. Now, it's notable that the trial inquiry may include whether the Clinton campaign directed Danchenko's activities. So it's asking pretty much it's saying the Clinton campaign probably directed Danchenko to get this fake dossier on Trump from Christopher Steele, who is the British MI6 agent. MI6 being the, pretty much the British CIA. Okay. And we've already we already know that Clinton Hillary Clinton paid for that stuff. Okay, now it was it was actually Hillary Clinton. On a side note, it was Hillary Clinton who actually started the rumors about Obama not being born in the uh, uh, United States. It's the the birther conspiracy. You can look that up. Clinton, Hillary if you, Hillary Clinton in the birther conspiracy that she uh, put out there about Barack Obama. It's possible um, Trump talked about it too. It's just that you should look up if you want if you want a good laugh. Look up the Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Um, debate in 2008. I think they. I think it was 2008 that they debated uh, for the Democrat nomination of 2008 to go up against John McCain, who was the Republican nominee. And if you want to get a laugh, you can look at that. But anyways, now the trial inquiry may include whether the Clinton campaign directed Danchenko to get the fake dossier on Trump, right? And so after the same lawyers of Hillary of the Clinton campaign started representing Danchenko, John Durham had a statement and uh, put this out. So he wanted to know the extent to which the Clinton campaign and or its representatives directed it, directed, solicited, or controlled the defendant's activities, the defendant being Igor Danchenko. So he says, for example, the Clinton campaign and the defendant, meaning Danchenko, each might have an incentive to shift the blame and or responsibility to the other party for any allegedly false information that was contained within the company reports and or provided to the FBI. Now, uh, what does this mean? What does this mean? This means that John Durham, it's confirmed, John Durham is investigating the Clinton campaign. Okay? It is confirmed. And in a nutshell, um, John Durham is basically saying that the 2016 Clinton presidential campaign and its employees are subject to matters before the special counsel. In a nutshell, that's what he's pretty much saying. All right, so let's move on. Let's talk about Ghislaine Maxwell and things like that. Okay, so... Okay, so one thing I noticed. Okay, so I, I've seen a picture of 
Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein together. They're together in this picture, right? And I have heard the Maxwell trial tracker. Um, I've heard from the Maxwell trial tracker that uh, Bill Gates flew to Epstein Island at least 17 times. Okay, so we know uh, his name, you know, Jeffrey Epstein. And then we have who we know as Ghislaine Maxwell, right? And so, okay, folks, think it, get this, get this. Okay, so you have Bill Gates, right? And then Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein. So what is Bill Gates' mother's maiden name? Her maiden name is Mary Maxwell. That is very, very interesting to me. So if you didn't know, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, she was actually Jewish. Her father, her father, Robert Maxwell, um, I, on a side note, I heard that I heard that her and Bill Gates were cousins. Now, Robert Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell's father, was a millionaire because he was an author and things like that. And so he had like nine children and he, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, she was spoiled and things like that. And so um, he actually bought something called the uh, tabloid called the Daily Mirror. And he, uh, this actually established him as a political player in Britain. And uh, no labor government could succeed without the mirror support, meaning the government, the government in Britain. And uh, he actually, and it had an enormous ego, Robert Maxwell. And he had a stage to map, match his uh, rapidly expanding business and things like that. So um, his face appeared in the mirror's pages of like a hundred times in the first six months as a publisher. And he also gave a role to Ghislaine. She was 22 years old. She promoted the paper's sweepstakes contest and became her father's unofficial goodwill ambassador, boosting, boosting her social visibility as she hosted corporate parties, get this, corporate corporate parties, and acted as the Mirror's poster girl in promotions. That's 22. Okay? You know, they sexualize her and things like that. So, Maxwell's urge for acquisition, meaning Robert, his acquisition, his urge for acquisition soon turned to turned toward America. Now, in 1991, he produced the foundering, he he, he pounced on the foundering New York Daily News. Uh, Ghislaine tagged along. So, first to run Maxwell Corporate, she was. And uh, a New York, which was, it was a New York-based vanity business, vanity business, get this, that was bankrolled by her father, then to serve as his American social emissary, attending social events like now Governor, uh, now Governor, Andrew Cuomo's wedding to Kerry Kennedy in 1990 on his behalf. Now, Cuomo's not the governor anymore, but um, Maxwell's family went to his wedding. Now, I did say Kerry Kennedy. She is that Kennedy. Those Kennedys. Yes, those Kennedys. Now, Mary Kerry Kennedy is an American lawyer, author, and human rights activist. She is the seventh child and third daughter of Robert F. Kennedy and Ethel, Ethel Skakel. Okay, she had a 15-year marriage to former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo from 1990 to 2005. Okay, and she was known as Carrie Kennedy. So you see how deep this stuff runs here. I have also heard that the mob played a part in the presidency of John F. Kennedy, JFK. I have heard that as well. So Ghislaine Maxwell was the poster girl for her father's newspaper in New York and things like that. So seven years later, her father passed away, and she was pretty much a wreck. Okay, she was left. She was left with nothing. Right. And she pretty much, she she met Jeffrey Epstein. She actually, she settled in New York later and she met Jeffrey Epstein. Because the thing is that her father may have passed away, but her father was very rich and famous. And so she had an address book full of the biggest names on the planet. And then she, so she settled into New York and uh, she met a gentleman by the name of Jeffrey Epstein. And their relationship was actually uh, romantic for a short time. And then... He saved her, a friend told Vanity Fair, okay? So, Ghislaine Maxwell actually was actually an employee of Jeffrey Epstein's. She would manage some of his properties. She had a pilot license, a helicopter pilot's license, which she would use to ferry him to his private Caribbean island. There at that island, he sated his appetite for sex with teenage girls, and Ghislaine reportedly enabled him. Accusers say that Maxwell acted as Ep Epstein's madam, recruiting girls as young as 14 to give him massages that soon evolved into sexual encounters and to have sex with his friends. Some have said that she sexually abused them herself. And Ghislaine Maxwell says, These allegations made against me are abhorrent and entirely untrue. 
That comes from Ghislaine Maxwell. Well, of course, no, most criminals don't uh, admit what they've done. All right, so you see how deep stuff really runs there. So, more about the trial. So, Maxwell's attempted defense in this case was always completely incoherent. Uh, and it's honestly, it's not a surprise that her self-defense uh, self-destructed. Now, the jury is not going to buy that all... Uh, that all these four girls have false memories while at the same time Maxwell admits Epstein was running a sex trafficking ring for 20 years right under her nose and successfully kept her in the dark about it. Okay? It just doesn't make sense. Now, Gisling Maxwell could start singing like a bird and naming names to prosecutors if she's found guilty of sex trafficking charges at U.S. court this week in a deal to cut her sentence or get better conditions in jail. Now, she can start singing like a bird. Now, closing arguments in Maxwell's trial begin tomorrow. Uh, with the jury likely to retire that evening, a legal source connected to the case told The Mail on Sunday, uh, when he, which is the Daily Mail, uh, that the that with the Manhattan court breaking for Christmas and at the end of Wednesday, a verdict uh, this week is highly likely. Maxwell, 59 years old. She denies all six charges linked to grooming underage girls for abuse by late pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. Now, breaking, moving on. Project Veritas releases the name of the CNN producer involved in a new pedophilia scandal. Okay? His name is Rick Salibi, S-A-L-E-E-B-Y. He is the staffer. He is a producer on The Lead with Jake Tapper. Now, this comes from Project Veritas that uh, he is the latest CNN producer, producer to be embroiled in a pedophilia scandal. Okay? Now, he allegedly, he allegedly solicited sexually explicit photos of the source's underage daughter. Wow. Yeah, so the source who gave us this stuff, Salibi allegedly sexually solicited explicit photos of his underage daughter. That comes from postmillennial.com. That's, that's just insanity. Okay, so Jake Sullivan. Jake Sullivan is Joe Biden's national security advisor. And he is married to Attorney General Merrick Garland's legal counsel at the DOJ. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. So he was one of the Hillary Clinton's foot soldiers. He's a he was a foreign policy advisor, pushing the Trump Russia conspiracy, and now he's Joe Biden's national security advisor. Okay, that was always sketchy. Okay, that's always been sketchy. Okay, to discover that Sullivan's wife Margaret Goodlander is the legal counsel to Merrick Garland opens up an entire entire world of conflict issues. That comes from the conservative treehouse. Com. Okay, so moving on. Lawandcrime.com tells us that the federal judge denied, denies Ghislaine Maxwell's unprecedented bid for witness anonymity as defense case begins. Okay, so three of the four accusers are taking the stand against her, testified anonymously. Ghislaine Maxwell cannot respond in kind by cloaking her own witnesses under assumed names. A federal judge ruled this on Thursday. Good. Let's see who's trying to defend this pedophile. So we have CNN producer. John Griffin, his devices were seized 17 months before this child sex trafficking arrest, okay? Now, now John Griffin is one of the people from CNN, okay? That comes from foxnews.com, okay? So, CNN's got a whole host of pedophiles, okay? It's, it's just terrible. All right, so, moving on. Ilhan Omar had an anti-Islamophobia Islamophobia act. She proposes to cut down on free speech, right? And the Democrats unanimously passed this, okay? She did it last. She proposed it last week. She introduced it. Uh, this bill would create a special envoy to monitor Islamophobia around the world. That is just ridiculous. Okay, so the bill was passed with a vote of two, 219 to 212. Pretty close there. All the Democrat members of the vote of the House voted for the bill, while all members of the Republican Party voted against it. Since the 9/11 attacks on America that killed 3,000 innocents, there have been 40,000 deadly Islamic terrorist attacks. It's not the phobia that's the problem, according to thegatewaypundit.com. And we have a reminder. Okay, we have a reminder from the Gateway Pundit also that Ilan Omar's father was a top propaganda official in the genocidal Bar Barre regime, B-A-R-R-E. Then he changed his name and her name and entered the United States illegally. Okay. Uh, just something to think about there. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to the most deadly disease in human history, the Black Plague, where you have to wear a mask in the shower, and uh, you have to wear a mask at the gym, you have to wear a mask at the restaurants, and then you can take it off when you sit down because the virus floats above five feet in the air. COVID-19. All right, so 
let's talk about this dystopian nightmare that has been forming before our eyes. A lot of people didn't believe us when we started saying this, but they'll believe us now. So it's a conspiracy no more. Sweden starts microchipping COVID passports in people. Okay, so people in Sweden have started getting implanted with microchips that contain their COVID-19 passports, according to Newsweek. So the chip is developed by Epicenter, and it can store a COVID passport underneath the skin. They say implants are very versatile technology that can be used for very many uh, for many different things. And right now, it is very convenient to have COVID passports always accessible on your implant, unquote. That comes from the Epicenter's chief disruption officer, Hannes, uh, yeah, Hannes, H-A-N-N-E-S. Uh, I cannot pronounce his last name. He told that to a, an outlet called Ruptly, R-U-P-T-L-Y. And that comes from Newsmax.com if you want to take a look at that. All right, so now we're seeing Boston is banning the unvaccinated from indoor dining, indoor fitness, and indoor entertainment. And so New York is going full crazy. Well, crazier than you thought they would go. So on January 5th of 2022, the New York Senate and Assembly will vote on a bill that would, if passed into law, grant permissions to remove and deter detain cases, contacts, carriers, or anyone excuse me, suspected of presenting a significant threat to public health and removing them from public life on an indefinite basis. Not kidding. This comes from the nationalpulse.com. So it's Bill A416. It presents a serious risk to the basic liberties of all Americans in the state of New York, including their right to choose whether or not to receive medical treatment and vaccinations related to thus far undetermined contagious diseases. This bill gives the governor of New York and that person's delegates, including but not limited to the commissioner and heads of local health departments, the right to remove and detain any individuals or groups of people through issuing a single order. The orders only have to include the individual's name or names and reasonably or, or excuse me, reasonably specific descriptions of the individuals or groups. The language of Bill A416 can guarantee that Americans, whether they test positive for COVID or any other disease, are held indefinitely at such quarantine facilities. So now in Belgium, Brussels, people are waking up and in droves. They're tired of the corrupt and tyrannical governments that are out there protesting. Okay, uh, there's quite a few people out there. Okay, I'd probably say there's five or seven five to seven thousand people out there as far as i can see in the picture okay that's just my rough estimate okay so uh they say that the the moronic variant is detected in 89 countries and the cases are doubling okay so the world health organization is, is saying that so that comes from globalnews.ca okay so once again here we go from the gateway pundit Pfizer says the COVID pandemic could extend to 2024. Pfizer said on Friday the COVID pandemic will continue through the 2022 midterms and could extend to 2024, just in time for the general election. So you see the media is pretty much, the media determines the pandemic, okay? The media determines it, okay? The pandemic is going to go on as long as the media says it will go on, okay? As long as Pfizer and Moderna say it's going to go on. Okay, we're going to have uh, 15 days to slow the spread. Okay, well, hold we're, we're, we're two and a half years, we're two years into it, Okay. Or a year in like eight months. Nine, ten months. A year in like ten months. Okay? Or eight. Or nine. Excuse me. A year in nine months. Wow. Because <sighs> the media said, and the Pfizer said it would go on this long. Okay? So, it'll go on until folks get tired of it. That's just the reality of it, ladies and gentlemen. Until you get tired of it. Until you see people walking around without their masks. You got people walking around with the masks and driving around with the masks with their windows rolled up. Okay? People walking around by themselves with masks on. Until that stops, this ain't gonna stop. Okay? Gonna be microchips for everybody. Alright? Incredible. Incredible how much people will actually actually uh put up with so kamala harris tweeted on uh november 20 november 2nd of 2020 she said the first thing joe biden and i will do in the white house is get this virus under control oh uh, yeah and cases are apparently doubling according to the world health organization of the omicron variant oh yeah it's, it's really really under control you know joe biden said 220,000 deaths this is october 22nd of 2020 he said 220,000 deaths if you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear this. Anyone who is responsible for that many deaths should not remain president of the United States. And then Axios goes on to tweet uh, two day, uh, about a week ago. They say, Justin, U.S. COVID death toll tops 800,000. Okay, so let me get this straight. If my math is correct, the distance of 220,000 to 800,000 
is more than the distance. It's more than the distance of zero to two hundred twenty thousand. Okay, you're looking at over five hundred thousand more deaths under Joe Biden than under Donald Trump. And by Joe Biden's logic, he should not remain president of the United States. Interesting. Wow, these people are just duplicitous and just outright stupid. And now, the French, the, stu the stupidity, hypocrisy, and uh, lunacy just does not end. Okay, so, the in France, the French people, the, who are the French seniors, anyone over 65 years old in France, in France, excuse me, that does not have a booster will see their COVID passes disabled, okay? Incredible. Google is going to lay off their unvaccinated employees in an internal memo, memo, uh, obtained by the outlet CNBC. Incredible. In New York, multiple people, New York City, multiple people arrested for trying to eat Applebee's without a vaccine pass. Incredible. Incredible. How do you justify this? Are, are you tired of it yet? Okay. Are you tired of it yet? I guess not. Because it keeps, it keeps going. So I guess not. It'll keep going until people are tired of it. Until people get up and fight against this, okay? It's not going to end, okay? Rick Grinnell says Biden's plan to stop COVID-19 has failed. There, may, there have been more deaths since he took office, and he said he had a plan. Say it louder for the newsrooms in the back, okay? Trafalgar Group puts out, they say, they say nearly, it's a poll, nearly 70% of Americans think the Omicron variant of COVID does not warrant increased mandates and restrictions. 30% believe it's a serious health risk and stricter mandates are needed. Well, I don't know in what reality or what fantasy that 30.6% of people are living in. But then again, it is a poll. Okay? It is a poll. Now, uh, should we move on? Yes, let's go ahead and move on. Okay, so we know that parents of school, parents are opposing the CRT that is being just promulgated and disseminated uh, in the schools and the, and, and, and the justification of this stuff by the school board. And so the Daily Wire is showing us that the school board association that wrote a letter comparing, parent, comparing parents to domestic terrorists has lost $1 million. Bravo. Good. So the school board association wrote a letter to the Biden administration asking the Department of Justice to crack down on threats of violence and acts of intimidation at local school board meetings. And it's that school board is bleeding money. Following a national backlash, okay, the Washington Examiner reported that the National School Board Association is looking at a shortfall of at least 1.1 million following the fallout from its disastrous letter sent to the DOJ. We have to remember at the DOJ, uh, you have Merrick Garland, his son is one as is, is part of the, is one of the people who are head are, who had a company who creates and disseminates the critical race theory propaganda being injected and and foisted upon our children in schools okay two more things and then i will get out of your hair okay so we're seeing we the media on telegram they're putting out actually red pill pharmacist put this out i said reveal the nfl is funding antifa affiliated defund the police group so the nfl funds groups that openly advocate for defunding the police though the inspire change program funded by the league the nfl backs the vera vera institute of justice the organ institute excuse me the organ justice resource center and the community justice exchange each of these support defunding or abolishing the police okay and i think fox news has now announced a vaccine mandate and another thing um, i'm seeing here is one thing about our churches okay there is a church in Chicago. It's a Lutheran church in Chicago. They host a drag queen prayer hour for children. Okay. Um, they hosted it last weekend. Okay. According to the Lutheran church's Facebook post, post seminarian Aaron Musser preached in drag to children as part of a dress rehearsal for joy, also known as grooming. Okay. This is stuff. This is the work of the enemy. Our churches have failed. The 501c church, the 501c3 churches have failed. It's over. It's done. People wonder why aren't our churches doing this? Why aren't our churches effective? Because the churches have followed the way of the world. Okay, it's over. Churches are done. It's over. It's done. People are gonna. I'm telling you, in the future, people are gonna be getting saved in the highways and the byways. Okay, 
that's where the word of God is going to be. It's God, God is going to pour out his spirit. Okay. The churches who are 501c3s are in covenant with Baal. Okay. You know what else is a 501c3? A nonprofit? The Church of Islam and the Church of Satan. Okay. So how can you be unequally yoked with unbelievers? Okay. I'm sorry. It's just not possible. Okay. If your church is a 501c3, you got to get, you got to tell your pastor to get out. I know a lot of pastors don't want to get out of it. I know. But the thing is that, um, the thing about me is that I can't be, you know, I, when, when I stand before God, God can't tell me, why didn't you tell certain people in certain places at certain churches, uh, not to, to get out of the 501c3. And I, I, I will, I will talk a lot about the 501c3 another day, but Hey, God can't hold me accountable for that because I'm going to start telling people about that stuff, all right? So, I appreciate you being here listening. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful that God sent his son. I love you. Have a great day. You chose to be listening with us even though you could have been listening to anything. So, thank you so much, and I'll see you tomorrow on Wednesday.